You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you are challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas continues his series on the paranormal. Now looking at witchcraft. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. You're listening to a podcast on witchcraft. It's adapted from lessons I taught in 2012 in Uganda and South Africa. But don't think that the principles here apply only to those living on the continent of Africa because witchcraft, spells, charms, shamans, and all the things associated with witchcraft are actually worldwide. You find it in Latin America, in the Middle East, in the South Pacific, in Asia. It's making revival in Europe, and it's always been popular in the Americas, in the North America. So the lesson's great for Africans, but everyone can listen in. First, we'll describe what witchcraft is, then discuss how this lines up with, with what the scriptures teach. We'll examine the true power of witchcraft and then conclude that it must be rejected. Witchcraft doesn't necessarily deny that there's a spiritual world or a god. It's an attempt to manipulate the spirits. And because it doesn't uh, directly deny God, often those who believe in God or gods will also believe in witchcraft, I think because of fear and pressure from others. One component is ancestor worship, especially when uh, one's relatives have not been properly honored, they can come back and cause all kinds of trouble. And so correct sacrifices, the correct words must be used. They must be remembered or commemorated. And if you're familiar at all with uh, the culture of the Chinese, ancestor worship is an ancient practice, but it's not just there. It is worldwide. So this attempt to manipulate the spirits, to appease them, and ideally to get them on, on our side so life goes the way we want it to, is found in all cultures, although it's spoken against in the Bible. Somewhat connected with this is the issue of ghosts, which we deal with in a separate podcast. My position is that an evil person has never come back from the grave. In fact, no good person has come back from the grave as a spirit. Of course, Jesus was resurrected. But the idea of a spirit or a ghost who has influence on us on earth is superstitious and pagan. The Bible teaches that the dead remain in the underworld. Please refer to the podcast on Hades. So we should never fear the ancestors. Another related subject is demon possession and exorcism. Because I go into quite a bit of detail in the corresponding podcast, I'll skip over that as well. Also connected with witchcraft are spells. Putting a spell on someone... Does that work? Has someone put a spell on you? Or maybe made a voodoo doll that looks like you and stuck it with pins? The way I look at spells is that it's purely superstitious. Let's say you pay the witch doctor, the juju man, the medicine man, the shaman, you pay him to put a spell on your enemy or your neighbor. The next day, 
your neighbor falls and breaks his leg, thus confirming that the spell worked. Or perhaps nothing happens. You go back to the medicine man and you say, hey, nothing happened here. Well, what do you expect? You only gave me that much money. Or let's try again. Or this is a particularly stubborn case. And so eventually something bad happens to him. But isn't the chance that something bad will happen pretty good? Here's my thinking. The fellow has a spell put on him, and the next day goes better or worse than the day before. I mean, that's just logic. If it goes worse, you credit the spell. If it goes better, you try again. Either way, the perceived effectiveness of the spell is preserved. Dreams are another component of witchcraft. We're going to talk about that um, in a moment at a little bit more uh, depth. Astrology, another component, and we have a podcast on that. Of course, astrology is just horribly vague. You will be robbed. Either you are robbed after you hear your fortune, your horoscope, or because you're extra vigilant, you're not robbed. And so <laughs> the, the one who makes this prediction cannot fail because uh, either way, his uh, or her trustworthiness is upheld. The responsibility is transferred to you. Well, all these ideas, uh, dreaming about the future, putting spells on people, demon possession and ghosts and uh, ancestor worship, all blend easily into diluted forms of Christianity. They would never blend into true Christianity, but dilute forms welcome them. And this is what has happened where the gospel has been preached without much expectation as far as commitment or without much teaching in terms of uh, the uh, real fundamental truths of the Bible. And sometimes witchcraft is just absolutely diabolical. About five years ago, I was teaching in Uganda, and it was hard for me to believe when my friend picked me up as we were driving through the capital, Kampala, uh, and, and he was telling me stories of children being abducted for use in rituals. The next morning, though, I read about it in the newspaper, and the next day as well. And when I went there this year, which is 2012, it seems to me that uh, kidnapping of children has risen even higher. There was about 9,000 uh, children abducted in the previous year. If you're listening to this and you live in North America, uh, which I believe over half of you do, it would be as though 100,000 children went missing in the United States and their body parts were used, their, their kidneys, their hearts, whatever part was specified for the ritual, or they were sacrificed. Often children are taken and decapitated um, to bring about some kind of blessing. The witch doctor will um, expect that, and then that will bring prosperity to a new business. Um, it's uh, a perceived to be especially potent when the child is executed in this way. And often if the child has, uh, uh, you know, lacks melanin, if it's an albino, or you could pronounce it al albino, an albino child is viewed as especially auspicious. Well, Christians, 
you can see Christians giving in to superstition in South Africa, wearing a rope underneath their clothing to ward off evil or uh, you know, saying certain prayers or crossing themselves if they see something they shouldn't see or walk under a ladder you know, or a cat <laughs> crosses their path. Christians may engage in the less harmful or blatant forms of witchcraft, but would they really sacrifice their children? Uh, obviously, a true Christian would not do that, but he or she might engage indirectly by conniving at what others do. They know that their work associates, their friends, neighbors, or relatives are involved, but they say little or nothing to persuade them to do otherwise. And so by not speaking up, I think actually some true disciples of Christ are uh, involved indirectly in witchcraft. We need to take a stand because we're called as a church and as an individual to uh, be the light of the world. So let's talk first, why is it unbiblical? I mean, it sounds horrible, child sacrificing and and putting spells on your neighbors so he'll break his leg. Uh, Some of them, uh, some of the the things that the witch doctor does are are more benign. You know, help me fall in love, help this person fall in love with me or help me to locate my lost, you know, a lost item. But all forms of witchcraft are unbiblical. For one, talking to the dead is condemned in the Bible. Exodus 22, 8, for example. Making contact with departed spirits is witchcraft, as in 1 Samuel 28, the witch of Endor. Whether or not it's possible, and I suspect it is, we're told don't do it. This will uh, mess us up. It will separate us from God. It's a bad thing. In the Old Testament, why would the Jews be told not to do it? I guess you could reason that they never had and God didn't want to spoil their perfect record. But more likely, they were doing it. In fact, for those who say sometimes that the ancient Jews didn't know about life after death, the fact that they were uh, tempted to dabble in the occult suggests otherwise. If they didn't believe in an afterlife, then why would they be trying to contact the dead? Why would God have to warn them through the prophets to stop it? In Galatians 5.20, among the works of the flesh, or the NIV paraphrases it, the acts of the sinful nature, uh, we find witchcraft, the occult. Sorcery, 2 Chronicles 33.6, is sometimes connected with human sacrifice, as where one's child is incinerated as an offering to a god. And for those of you who've finished reading the Old Testament, you frequently came across Molech worship. Moloch was a foreign god whose cult was imported into Israel, and he required the sacrifice, the burnt offering, the holocaust of one's firstborn child. And the Jews were quite active at times in supporting this, even some of the kings of the Jews. In Malachi 3, 5, we see that this is a very serious sin. Really, at its essence... Witchcraft is an attempt to promote one's self-interest, to manipulate the gods to achieve that self-interest. It's unbiblical because the Lord seeks a personal relationship with us, not a mechanical relationship. But when we're trying to appease spirits or 
marshal them so that they support our cause against our neighbor. We're not trusting God for the future. In fact, we're trying to manipulate the gods. It's about self-interest. And that is the essence of paganism. You know, you do something bad, and so to make it right, so you have no further obligation to the spirits, you do something kind. You know, you're rude to your mother in the evening, so the next morning you, you feel guilty, so you're especially respectful to, towards your boss or towards your teacher. Uh, or uh, it may be the other way around. Not that you're compensating for bad things you've done, but you engage in some religious act in order to get your way. You want uh, a pay increase. You don't know if your boss will give it to you. So you fast and pray for a pay increase. There's nothing wrong with fasting and praying. But if it becomes mechanical and manipulative, okay, God, I fasted and prayed, now where's my pay increase? Then we've really misunderstood what the relationship with God is all about. So this really goes against the principle of faith. Instead of trusting God to work, we're taking things into our own hands. But let me read a passage from Deuteronomy just in case there's any doubt about how unbiblical uh, witchcraft is. When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritist or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Because of these same detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. That was Deuteronomy 18, verse 10. There's no doubt that witchcraft is unbiblical. Second, why it doesn't work. Now you'll notice I've, I've not said that it's impossible to contact the spirit world. And if it's possible to contact the spirits, then in principle one, one might be able to wring uh, uh, certain concessions out of the, these spirits. But there are no ghosts. The dead are in the underworld. We have no reason as Christians to be fearful. And I think we need to really examine our hearts and see to what extent, if this has happened, uh, superstition or the occult or even fear of, of, of this world has possibly affected or contaminated our faith. So when I say it doesn't work, I'm not saying that there, it's impossible that there's an effect, that one makes contact or that the future may be changed. But it doesn't work in terms of the claims it makes. It promises much, delivers nothing. It's really just a way for the practitioner of witchcraft to have his livelihood. People say, oh, well, uh, the, uh, the spirits helped me. Uh, I had a dream. I had a dream about the future, and because of that I was able to avert a, a horrible accident. Or maybe you've known people who say, yeah, I, I, I had a dream before this event took place and, and I just knew it would happen. Now, I, I think we need to 
somehow take the mystery out of the occult. It's easy to say, oh, it's just Satan. I think a lot of this really has nothing to do with Satan, although the evil one certainly exploits our gullibility. So let's talk about dreams. Have you ever had a dream about something that's come to pass? Well, I guess it depends how general we are, you know, in our in our search, if we go through the, the data bank of, of our dreams. But in terms of highly specific dreams, uh, probably not highly specific. You, know, you, you dreamt that a red car was running down, uh, speeding down the road and accidentally drove onto your property and out came a man who was seven feet tall with silver hair wearing a blue jacket and a pink tie and his name was Sam, and you had that same dream. I mean, obviously, the more specific you are, the less likely. On the other hand, some people will uh, appear to have dreams come true. Okay, let's think about uh, United States, the country of my citizenship, not my true citizenship, you know what I mean, where I live. 300 million persons, probably a lot more. If we had just two dreams a night, well, that'd be 600 million dreams a night that would be well over 200 billion dreams a year. Will some of those come true? Well, what do you mean come true? In, in a sense of uh, anything miraculous? I, I don't see any reason to believe that. But will some of them seem to come true? Absolutely. With billions of dreams. Uh, the more surprising thing would be if none of them came true. And some people will appear to have psychic powers because for them, uh, many of their dreams do come true. I mean, fact is, if one out of 10 of your dreams, even one out of 100 of your dreams came true, you, you would feel kind of weird about that. That would be quite wonderful in the sense that you would wonder at it. So if someone had a, a dream came true and then a few weeks later he had another dream and then that happened and then a few weeks later another dream you might think that he was some kind of psychic. But really, he's just balancing out hundreds of other people who never have a specific dream that comes true. Okay? Um, you can, uh, uh, just for your reference, Deuteronomy eighteen seventeen to 22, please remember, when people in the Old Testament uh, claimed to have knowledge of the future, when they claimed to be prophets, they had to be accurate. It wasn't just, well... Uh, yeah, you know, I have all kinds of dreams, but most of them don't come true, but some do, and therefore I must have a gift. Because in the Old Testament, if you made some kind of predictions and they didn't come true, you that was it for you. <laughs> you weren't allowed to make those kinds of mistakes. To claim to to have uh, knowledge of God and his will and to do so falsely was a was a very serious crime. These people who claim the powers of the spirits. They don't want to be exposed. And when they're in danger of being exposed, the Bible shows us they're not happy. They know that the game's up, that their con has been revealed. Remember how Simon the Sorcerer reacted in Acts 8 when he saw real magic, not magic, of course, but miracles. He wanted that power. Or think of the confrontation in Acts 13 between uh, Simon Bar-Jesus and uh, the Apostle Paul on the island of Cyprus. Or Acts 16, when the little girl who had a spirit by which she uh, knew something of the future, when 
when the spirit was cast out of her and she could no longer do that, her owners, and that's really what they were, were so upset uh, that, that their, uh, their livelihood was, uh, was being uh, uh, compromised. And uh, we, we see business interests also affected in Acts chapter 19, and that leads to a riot. Think of Exodus with Pharaoh's magicians who eventually said, we cannot do this. Or Daniel, where the fake astrologers and magicians, the Chaldeans, were exposed for the frauds that they were. But Daniel says, there is a God in heaven who reveals dreams. So these people don't want to be exposed. And really, if they had the powers they claimed, if it really worked the way they said, they should be really wealthy. Think about it. In our society, consultants and lawyers, those who really can see the future, so to speak, who can help companies to grow, they're paid very well. So why are the magicians, the witches, the warlocks, the shamans, why are they so poor? And they are. Well, I think because as Colossians 2 says, they have no true power. And at the cross, the poverty of their position has been revealed. Okay, let me become just a little bit academic for the next couple of minutes, and please hang with me. This has to do with causality. People say, well... I know it's not biblical and usually doesn't work, but there are just some things. Well, when I do what my you know, friend says I should do, when we follow what the guru says, the spiritual director, then things go better than if we don't. I want to share with you from uh, the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, of course, preaches for 40 years trying to get people to stop uh, following the ways of the world. And there are, are several passages where We read of the Queen of Heaven who was worshipped. The Queen of Heaven, this is not the Virgin Mary. I know it sounds like that. It's the same terminology. But this was a goddess who was worshipped in the ancient world. And you can find her in Jeremiah 7. But I'm going to read a little bit from Jeremiah 44. So Jeremiah is telling them to repent of your idolatry because otherwise there are serious consequences. In particular, the Babylonians come and and we'll lose our nation, the temple will be destroyed. But listen to the reaction uh, that uh, the, um, the Judeans had to his challenge. Jeremiah forty four seventeen. We will certainly do everything we said we would. We will burn incense to the Queen of Heaven and will pour out drink offerings to her, just as we and our ancestors, our kings and our officials did in the towns of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. At that time, we had plenty of food and were well off and suffered no harm. But ever since we stopped burning incense to the Queen of Heaven and pouring out drink offerings to her, we've had nothing and have been perishing by sword and famine. Do you see what they're they're saying? They're, They're attributing the problems they've had to their failure to worship the Queen of Heaven. Jeremiah, of course, knows that the problems are caused by their worship of the Queen of Heaven. They... They, they, I guess, test out his words. They temporarily stop, and these bad things are happening, and so they, they, so they start doing them again. And, and their reasoning, it, it's not completely illogical. I mean, at least they're thinking about cause and effect, but they've misattributed the cause. And again, that's at the heart of uh, paganism, this attempt to manipulate the powers. And if you can get the powers, if you can get the spirits on your side then you'll do whatever you need to do, going through whatever motions you need to go through. But they've misdiagnosed, um, really, uh, what's going on. So witchcraft is unbiblical. It doesn't have the power it claims to have. 
it really just uh, capitalizes on human gullibility. If it really worked, we, these people would have better lives, happier lives, and, and certainly those who claim to uh, have access to the future would have more to show for their efforts than the meager subsistences most of them have. And this brings us to the, the third and final part of the podcast, uh, why we must make a clean break with witchcraft. Well, of course, in some countries where witchcraft is common, it's against the law. In some countries, there's a jail term. Very hard to imagine a Canadian being sentenced for being a Wiccan or um, a, a New Age Druid in uh, England or France being in trouble with the law. But in some parts of the world, it's that serious. Christians will realize that sorcery doesn't work. And think of Acts 19. People have become Christians, and sometime later, moved by the Spirit, moved by the understanding of God's power, and convicted of their sin, they make a clean break with witchcraft. Remember in Acts 19, they bring together Oh, a huge pile of magical scrolls, 50,000 drachmas worth uh, of magical scrolls, and there's a, there's a bonfire. And if you're, if you're intrigued by this, uh, there's an online sermon at uh, my, my website that you might want to listen to on this very thing. One thing that uh, disturbs some people is that they made the clean break after they had become Christians. Rather than doubting their salvation, no, uh, there was great rejoicing, and God's word spread. And we realize that some things we don't change until we've been Christians for a little while, and, and that's okay. I mean, it's not okay to drag it out, but it's good that God's spirit will, you know, sooner or later, and, and better sooner than later, of course, but bring us to live more holy lives. And uh, at any rate, we make a clean break. There are many educated people who believe in witchcraft. It's not just the ignorant, uh, but we need to not be impressed. I mentioned Simon the Sorcerer in Acts 8. He amazed the people of Samaria in a similar dynamic in Acts 13. So we do see that those who are attracted to the gospel may also be impressed or may come from that background where they were impressed with magic. Here we're called to go uh, against culture to make that break. God often uh, undermines culture anyway. I mean, from the very beginning of, of Genesis, you know, God's giving the blessing to the secondborn instead of the firstborn. He often lifts up girls over boys, women over men, servants over leaders. Uh, there are all these reversals that, that show that God is not on the side of power. And that pressure may not just be a, a kind of a general pressure from society, maybe from our own family, very specific, very concrete, when family members pressure us to go along with certain rituals. Sometimes they've been Christianized, sometimes they're simply pagan. People are deceived, Revelation 18.23. Sorcery deceives people. Acts 19.19. 19. Breaking from witchcraft may have financial implications. Those people who built the bonfire uh, gave up a lot of income. And you might say, well, why didn't they sell it? You know, sell it and then repent and get the money back. Or, uh, you know, use it for a special contribution for the poor. They didn't do that. They just make, they just made a break. You know, uh, there's some who say, well, I'm not that ignorant as to believe in witchcraft, but there's a more high-level version. 
I was going for a prayer walk in Nairobi, the capital of Kenya, and there was a sign on a tree in the park, and it was in Swahili, which I don't understand at all, but I saw a website, and I had a feeling this might have something to do with witchcraft. There were no graphics, but I remembered it, and when I got online, I I went to this website, and it was a drkhalif.com. And almost the first thing he said at his website is, this is not witchcraft. Uh, we rely on modern methods of psychology and intuition. Well, really, it's just a sophisticated version of magic. That's what it is. The New Age movement. That's what we're talking about. Uh, channeling, astral projection. Uh, basically, doing whatever you can to get life to go well for you. And so... The New Age movement um, has, I think, prepared Western society very nicely for neo-paganism, as it's called. Neo-paganism, earth worship, uh, Wicca, and so forth. And yet the Bible says there are severe consequences. The lake of fire in Revelation 21.8 is not just for those who, who renounce Christ, uh, for liars and cowards. It's for those who practice sorcery. And for all these reasons, we must make a clean break. To conclude, one, witchcraft is unbiblical. The Bible frequently warns of it. We'd have nothing to do with it. Two, witchcraft has no true power because only God has that power. And three, witchcraft must be totally rejected, not partially rejected. Magic is only as powerful as we let it be. The one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. Remember this. Satan is bound. He's tied up. He can't force you to do what you don't want to do because we live in God's hands. The Lord protects us. The Lord guides us. We need to trust him for the future. And so in that respect, witchcraft is the absolute antithesis of faith. Instead of trusting that the Lord holds a future in his hands. We take things into our own hands. And for that uh, reason, witchcraft is evil. I hope that's been helpful to you. And if you know anyone who is involved or who has questions, please share this material. God bless. We hope you enjoyed Douglas's teaching on the paranormal. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry. Thanks again for listening.